This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. On Money Talks, we discuss money news and take your questions about personal finance. For 15 years, we've provided free financial information for Mississippians. I hope you can join me, Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, co-host of Money Talks, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. or anytime on our podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Fix It 101, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. Kevin Farrell here with Pam Pivas, ASHE Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. A recent study showed that 90% of this year's home buyers had some kind of regret. Many first-time buyers say they felt rushed into the process because homes were selling quickly and they had to compromise on what they truly wanted. So today, while we wait for your phone calls, we'll talk about things you should know about buying a new home and how you can avoid buyer's remorse. Email the show by sending it to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. And if you've had an interesting home buying experience, we'd love to have you call in and share as well. Always like to give you a reminder that Fix It 101 re-airs Saturday mornings at 9, right before the Gestalt Gardener, which comes on at 10. So good morning. Hope that you're both doing well this morning. Really good. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm awesome. I am awesome. It's cool. She's dog. in a good mood. I'll I'm tell you a, that. I am in a great mood. My knee feels better. I had a knee scope before the holidays, and so I'm put skipping. Some, you had to get some. You had to get some WD forty put in there. I'm telling you, they had to. Well, they had to get out the loose body. Is ah, what they called it. I got you. It was floating around. It kid caught in my knee, and I'd stop and cuss like a sailor. Mm, Boy, it hurts mm, so mm, bad. Mm. Woo. Yeah, you know, this whole thing about regret uh, and, you know, I, let me just give a, a, a pointer here that um, I started. I'm in the same I'm the same house I bought 30 years ago and um, I started making a list. And now one of my favorite apps, Jeff, uh, on my phone is the list app. Do you ever use that? I'm not, I'm not familiar. Oh, man, I love that thing. So I have a, uh, a house list of things that when I get ready to move, you know, because I've been in the same thing right, for 30 years, right. the types of things that I would like to have in that oh, house. Oh, okay, okay. So, you know, things like... it's called like, List. It's just, yeah, it's a list app. Okay. And some of the things that I put in mine is, like, for instance, I want my house to face west. And the reason I want it to face west is the sun goes down in the west and it gets hot. Yeah. So if your backyard is in the west and you don't have any shade, you can't really enjoy the uh, backyard. So good, good things, point. yeah, things like that. I want my uh, laundry room to be close to my primary bedroom. Yep, I agree. So I love that. And when that design came out, I walked in there and I thought a lady designed this. <laughs> this is a woman. Somebody touch. doing the laundry designed it. Somebody designed. Yeah, I love. They that. don't have to be a lady. That's that's. I was about to say, as a single Kevin, man, Kevin, yes. can you can you do laundry? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't like to do laundry, but I have to. <laughs> well, you know, and you think about it on new construction. The reason the laundry room was close to the kitchen was because of the plumbing. So you do have plumbing in your bathroom. And what I did in my house, it, I, once I saw that, is I just cut a hole in the wall and made a door between my laundry room and, <laughs> and, my, and my closet. But come up with a list of things that you want, like, you know, the location where you want it to be, uh, how you want it to sit on the lot, if you want a backyard that's fenced in. 
Um, those types of things um, that, you know, I've put on my list that have helped whenever I get ready to look. Like, I, I would like to have, uh, if I get another home, or when I move into another home, I'd like to have a pool. I love my swimming pool. I use it. I've got the water heated. I use it year-round. So that's something that I would want to have. Um, but, you know, young people who are looking for a house, think about the things and start making yourself a list. I, I think that's a good idea because a home buying obviously is exciting, nervous. It's a big expenditure and that sort of thing. So I think a lot of times you're not thinking clearly. So if you have your list there that you've compiled over time, you can refer to it and say, okay, these are the things and even actually prioritize them. These are the must-haves. These are the wants, yeah, that kind of thing. That, yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a good idea. And... You know, we we primarily, even though we are a remodeling company, we we started out twenty plus years ago as a remodeling company, and um, for about the last uh, eight or eight or so years, we've kind of split that up about seventy five percent new construction, twenty five percent on the remodeling side. And if I was out looking for a home. New buyer or or seasoned, we'll call them. Um, there's a there's some things I'm, I want to look for, like uh, that could be catastrophic. Uh, how's the soil? How's the compaction test? Um, did you do post tension on your on your slab? Uh, I'm I'm looking inside. I'm looking at the guts. You know. And a lot of people don't. They, and a lot of people don't color because the they may not they may not know what to look for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some advice that I would give to to the buyers here, and I don't care young, old, or whatever. You call the builder. Say, hey, I want to meet the builder. I want to talk to the builder. Yeah, on a new construction, you can do that. But That's right. On an existing right. home. Well, of course. You but, don't have any idea. That's right. But you can uh, maybe ask for utility bills so that you can kind of see, yeah. you know, what, what that's been. You can, um, which, which will tell you some stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I want to I see the water bill on an, on an existing house. Uh, how many people live here? Let me does, t- does it have a water leak? Does it have Well, let me tell you about a water leak. I, I, I'm going to tell on myself here. You know, I got that new refrigerator. I love the refrigerator. And um, but I I was sitting in my chair and I heard water running. I was like, what? What the? What? Why do I hear water running? Well, the cat I, turned it on. I know. I tur- <laughs> I pulled the refrigerator out and everything was dry. So I'm assuming that there's something going on inside. So I called the repairman. It's under warranty, and they came out and when they pulled it out, the connector for the um, ice maker line was pouring water and it must have sealed when i pulled it out because i got in there i tested everything oh, really? i want you to know that son of a gun ran all weekend because I, ju- I just thought well it's inside the refrigerator and it ended up being the ice maker line and that, do you know that, that guy that could have been serious yeah he walked outside and i'm on a conventional foundation you could see the footing it was soaking wet and i'm like i'm a home inspector i should have seen that <laughs> Well, I think we have a caller. We do. Uh, we will go to Flowood. Al has called in this morning. Al, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yes, uh, good morning. What's your question? Uh, my question is about uh, water heaters. I have two uh, of them. Both of them uh, 
need to be replaced. They are up in the attic. Each one is 50 gallons. And uh, I just want this time to try to get tankless uh, water uh, heater. And my question is, uh, what would be the cost uh, for a tankless water heater? Well, let's see. We've got to get the other. We get the old heater out of there. Um, how? 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 Well, no, it doesn't matter. Um, let's see. You're probably going to spend somewhere in the three thousand thirty five hundred range per heater. I'm. I'm. I'm guessing. I'm thinking, um, you know, because I, I see a lot of this with people coming in. It's all going to depend on the location of the water heater and the size of your gas line. So you've got to go, because a, a, a tankless water heater's got to have a three-quarter line, and most tank most tanked water heaters have a quarter to a half. So you've got to upgrade that, that gas line, which can get a little pricey. Mm-hmm. They're going to run about, if you priced a tanked water heater, you can go... Um, no, he, he wants tankless. Ta- but I'm, what I'm saying, if the tank is, let's say it's $800 and then to install is $1,200, you can take that at, at price and a half. So take that up yeah. to what it's going to cost to put in the tankless. Now, what's your, um, what's your return on that is, you know, it depends on how long you're going to be in the house. If this is a place where you're going to be for about five years, you're going to make that back in the savings that you and also look into I think they've come back out with these buyer programs where you can get tax incentives for going to a more efficient water heater. I was reading an article the other day about that. I got that when I went to Tankless 15 years ago. There was right. a, there was a program out and I was reading the other day that now they've got that again. There's also have, have you seen? You, you can check with your gas company too. There may be some incentives. Incentives from, through the gas company. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and and a lot of the plumbers know about these too, and they'll actually right. file that paperwork for you, yep. and that makes it more, you know, cost efficient for you to make kinda, it more better. Yeah, to spend a little bit more to you know see that long term savings. So three thousand, you know, three to three to four, you're you're going to have a tankless. Yeah, just make sure, you know, Al, make sure they install it right. I can't tell you how many times I see these retrofits, and they're just not done right. Um, And let me mention a couple of things to you. One is that you cannot use the same pan for a tanked water heater and a tankless water heater. You can, if you don't mind having... If you don't mind calling Jeff in a couple of years for water damage to your house, <laughs> uh, there's a thing called a bucket well, the, pan. That, yeah, that and the um, and your um, your vent's going to be different. Your vent's going to so be different. Yeah, that, you, that's 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 part of the reason, Al. That that you know that price is is where it is. But yeah, you've got to pay. But for again, your, in in my opinion, it is well worth it. Yeah, I so. would do. I did it. Yeah, one guy gave me an estimate of six thousand and six hundred. Six thousand per water heater or for both? For, for the tankless. But one or two? Uh, one, just for one. Yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, you know, obviously this is radio and I can't see it, so I'm not going to comment if that's good or bad. 
Um, but I would probably get another opinion. Yeah, and and just make sure. And and Jeff is right. They've got to put in. A, if the, sometimes doing it right is more expensive than just doing it. <laughs> it's it's a it's a lot more work than yeah. you realize. Yeah. It's not a fact. Just go up there and hang it on the wall and and, and plug it in. Yeah, so. depending on so. your situation and you know. But you have to have a different vent. You got to have a different gas line. You got to have a different pan. And there's different considerations on where it's going to be located in the attic. Correct. Okay. Okay. Do you have Do you have any suggestion as to whom I should contact to get a second opinion? Where do you live? Oh, in Flowood. Uh, yeah. Um. Well, I'm not supposed to say call my office, but <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if you look at any any licensed plumbers, and um, you know, I. If you wanted to, to email me, I can give you a couple of recommendations. Yeah, that's um, better. As that's well. better. Another thing to do, once again, you know, and I, I, I hawk on this all the time, Nextdoor app. If you go on Nextdoor and put that in there that and just see what other people have done and their experience with plumbers who've worked in your area, then you're getting a consumer perspective versus, you know, and, and I tell people idea. all the time, I could give you some names. Like I did the other day, I had somebody email me, here, listens to the show. Wanted some recommendations. I sent the recommendations. I said, now you have to understand, I don't I don't follow these people. I have seen some of their work, and it's been good, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be good for you. <laughs> you know, it just, you just never know. So, Al, if you wanted to uh, try to get in touch with Pam, send it to, to fixit101 at mpbonline.org, and then we'll make sure that she gets it and she can give you some recommendations. We've got some phone calls to get to, so let's uh, start in uh, Brandon, uh, Dina has called in this morning. Go ahead, Dina. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I um, Since this drought has hit us, which I've never seen before, um, my driveway has hairline cracks that I haven't seen before, like quite a few that are very disturbing. Right. So is there a solution to that? And what other things are affected by this drought? that I should be concerned about as far as my home? Well, uh, let's, let's answer the hairline cracks in the concrete. Um, I'm not too concerned about that. Um, concrete inherently is going to crack. That is why we put what is called expansion joints, those grooves you see in your driveway, uh, we are trying, another word form is control joints. We are trying to get the concrete to crack inside those control joints. Um, it wouldn't, keep an eye on it. If they get larger. Um, and wider, they, wider. Yeah, wider, wider, wider. And if they are in a, a, a control joint, you might want to take some rubberized sealant and put in there so it doesn't get um, uh, too much water you know below the concrete but if it's just a if it's just a hairline crack I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be overly concerned about that but just just keep an eye on it okay what about the other effects to my property from this drought mm, that's a risky deal you know some people are saying put soaker hoses around your house. Um, I'm not, I'm not on that bandwagon. Um, Pam, 
What's your feeling? Well, you know, we're in a, I've heard it said we're in a biblical drought. I mean, it's just been pretty crazy. And I actually, my house has been popping and cracking, you know, because I'm in a, I'm in a house that's built in 58. So there's no filter, blah, blah, blah. Um, So you may see what you want to do is you want to look above your windows and your doors, like close your doors and see if they're uneven. Look above. What we use is we use a high-powered flashlight, and we'll check to see if there's what we call a lightning strike crack above a window or a door. Then we do exactly what Jeff said. We monitor that. If it begins to open more than a quarter of an inch, and believe it or not, that's a lot. You can take a little, you know, I don't know, a little tape measure or something, and look and see. If it begins to open more than a quarter of an inch, then you've got movement that you really want to get somebody to take a look at. Now, I could, well, I may get some backlash on this, but I think doing foundation work during a drought is a really bad idea (laughs) Um, because you'll overcompensate. And then when it starts raining again and the soil begins to swell, now you're going to have that whatever those piers are that you put in, you're going to have problems with them. If you get into, what are those things called, Jeff, the screw jacks or uh, hydraulic jacks that they'll use? Right. The problem with a hydraulic jack in the south is the moisture that you're going to have in your crawl space, and it will rust that thing from the inside out. So there's, you just most foundation companies in a crawl space situation are going to use concrete piers. They're going to come in with a footing. Well, if you do that during a drought, and then all of a sudden it starts raining again, that pier could literally push up right through your floor. I mean, yeah, my, I'm I'm not on the bandwagon uh, of that. I'm 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 probably not going to do anything. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to wait. If I'm not setting on expansive clays, chances are everything's going to be fine. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, besides putting out, I tried the soaker hose. Matter of fact, I was cleaning up some stuff around the backside of my shop the other day and found those soaker hoses. <laughs> well, a soaker hose would be great for your shrubberies. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be great for the vegetation. That's right. You know, so. but it, the problem that you're going to run into with our expansive clay around here is that if you end up with movement, and let's say those cracks begin to open more than a quarter of an inch, well, now you've got to worry about if you're on a slab foundation that you may get some breaks in that slab that are around your plumbing. Now you got problems. And so you just really want to monitor that. If you're getting a lot of cracking in the house, believe it or not, the first phone call I'm making is to a plumber. And I'm going to get my sewer line scoped so I know what's do, going do on. Do you have signs of foundation issue? Do you know? Um, I see some hairline cracks around the exterior okay. in the brick. Like, that is new, or has it been there? Yeah, yeah. New? No, I think I think it's new. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I would just watch uh, it. I w- I'd watch it. I'd take watch some it. photographs. Take some pictures on your uh, phone, yeah. and look at it again in six months. Yeah. It 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 it, it will start raining again, and uh, um, so let's just keep our fingers crossed and pray for rain. All right, uh, Dina, appreciate your call this morning. This is Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. If you have a question for us this morning, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 
888-528-7464. Next, we're off to Meridian. Becky has called in today. Good morning, Becky. You're on the air with us, so go ahead. Good morning. Um, I just I did, I tried to send one of those talk to us uh, things, and I don't think it was successful. So I also sent an email uh, in October with five images attached. And the question is about a, structure, a house that we're renovating that does not currently have central heat and air, and we're putting central heat and air in it. Uh, about a third, a fourth to a third of one end of the house has regular height ceilings and attic space, and that's where we're going to put the uh, internal unit. And then the rest of the house, so about two-thirds of the house, is vaulted ceilings mm-hmm. and if you look at those images i don't know if y'all are able to pull that up while we're talking. no i don't I, think so I we can't we, look at it did, but we've did, talked we've yeah, talked did, to you did before we talk to you about this yeah yeah i, I remember but anyway yes yes okay uh, yeah and so my question is, if we're going to go with exposed ductwork okay uh once it leaves the regular height ceiling part right. of the house we'll right. just regular vent. so we're leaving we're keeping this fireplace that's in the middle of the house okay and we're going to knock out a wall and a peninsula that is currently to the left of that fireplace so my question is regarding cost and efficiency when we get to that fireplace do we wishbone you know, do we split that ductwork and have it go around either side so it can then continue into where the new master bedroom, master bathroom, and laundry will be? Or do we just go around one side of the fireplace in the main room and then split it once it gets into that new master suite and laundry area? Or does it matter at all? That is really a question for your heating and air contractor when they do their their heat load um mm-hmm. I th- we are looking at your picture right now uh, yeah they send it into us i think you could go with just one side yeah yeah i don't i don't see the expense usually what both. happens <clears throat> is that you've got a feeder and i think it's called well you've got the plenum on the top of the unit and then from the plenum you have your center line yeah, and your, from, main, your main trunk your main line. trunk line, and then off of that, you feed off of those. If you're going to do exposed, my guess is that that center line is just going to have registers in it. So you should be able to go around one side and then back into the area that you're um, that you're adding on. Yeah, I, I'm, uh-huh. again, I would check with my heat and air contractor, and they they're going to know the load. So. Um, and and so if you, if your kitchen is going to be just on the left side of that fireplace, would you would you probably if you're going to go around one side, you'd go around the left. My thinking is go around the left because you're going to be generating heat, you know, in the kitchen when you're cooking. Mm, yeah, I like going around outside walls because that's where my that's where my heat and cool loss would be on the outside. Um, yeah, that's how, and it, that actually brings up a good point. It doesn't address. Becky's specific question, but if you look at your registers, that is the grill that's on top of the, where your your uh, lines come in, they should be pointed to the outside wall, because that's that's the idea is that the air flows to the outside wall and then comes right. back to the return. Well, that's it, that's where your that's where your 
heat and cool loss is on the outside is walls. on the outside wall. So, but you know, well, without getting into specifics with you, Becky, I'm going to just stay, say with Jeff, you really need to talk to your HVAC people about where's the best and the best, you know, economical, but what's the best way to, to put that in to where it's comfortable yeah, for yeah, you? Because we, when it comes to AC, uh, more is not always better. Nope. Uh, it needs to be sized to uh, the the house, uh, to the windows. You know, rule of thumb, and this is simply mm-hmm. rule of thumb: one ton of air per five hundred square feet of living space. And now you have to. Timmy talked about this when you were fishing, Jeff. Timmy, Timmy McClendon oh, came Timmy in. Timmy was here. Timmy Good. came in, and he and I got on this conversation about when you talk about load calculations for the house. Not only your square footage, but the size of your ductwork. Yeah, and the and the ceiling height and the windows and that's the so, biggest problem that I is, see. That is your rule of thumb. Yeah, since you're coming in with all new, you'll be able to size your ductwork correctly. What happens in a lot of houses is that they'll buy a new air conditioner system that's been there for you know fifteen twenty years, and the ductwork's not even the right size anymore. So you end up with a, a rainstorm inside your ductwork. Because you've got this all-powerful unit, and the ductwork's not right. So I just really depend on those HVAC people to get, kind of tell you not only your load calculations, but how big the ducts need to be and where they need to be installed. Okay. All right, uh, Becky, All right. thank you for your thank call. You. If you missed any of today's show, you can listen back by podcast using your favorite podcasting app or by downloading the MPB Public Media app. Then you get to listen to all the local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Got several calls to get to. We'll start with Fletch, Tony, and Jack. If you could hold on, we'll get to you in just a moment. But as promised, we'll first go to Fletch, who's called in from Columbus. You're on the air with us, Fletch. Good morning. Go ahead. Good morning. Hope you all are well. Yes, we are. What do you have for us today? Good deal. So quick question. A um, couple of weeks ago, y'all mentioned uh, about a guy was asking about uh, insulating his attic, and y'all made some suggestions on what he should use. And you quickly glossed over, yeah, just seal up all those lighting fixtures and everything, and it'll be great. I looked at my mom's, and that's not going to be so simple. What's your suggestion <laughs> when you flippantly threw that out? <laughs> No, it's not easy. Uh, no, it's not. Um, it is not easy. I I actually did that. My house, and Jeff's been there before, it's a 412 pitch, which means it's in its trusses. There ain't a lot of room up there. Right. So I had to, um, because I'm a nerd, and, you know, I just, anyway, I'm just a little bit nuts. I got me a, a foam gun and went up there, and everywhere there was a light fixture or wire going down, I sealed it up with that foam, and I had to move, you know, it was, it was that old insulation, you know, like I don't even know what it was, uh, wool or something. So I moved that around, sealed everything up, and then I had some cellulose uh, insulation blown in there, and it, it helped tremendously, actually. really brought my energy thought, bill down. I thought y'all were the anti-cana foam people. <laughs> no, wow, I, no, no, I should no, have no. stock in that no. stuff. No, I think I think Fletch, where we may be getting a wire crossed. I am anti insulating the entire envelope, entire attic space. Uh, I go back to Doug Rye. Doug Rye preached for years: insulate the entire envelope. Your 
your your roof, your attic, everything. The decking. Yeah. You run across the decking. That's right. Yeah. So I'm not a believer in that. Yeah. I, I only want to insulate the living space. Okay. So, But okay. now, again, yeah, no. that is opinion only. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, part of it, Pam, is going to be a little bit easy because this, this mid-century house uh, has no insulation in it, so I don't have to clean anything off. Oh, yeah. good. Awesome. But, yeah. But there's a lot of tan light. And, and and wiring that's just going to be tedious in a in a, a fairly small pitch roof in about a 1,500-square-foot house. Right. Well, just be thankful it's only 1,500. Yeah. <laughs> there you have it. All and, right. not, and not 3,000. <laughs> I didn't know if there was a drape, you know, almost like a, 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 a tie-deck barrier or something you're supposed to lay down. But, well, no, what, uh, you, what you have to be careful of, Fletch, the can lights are probably not insulated, so if you put insulation around them, your lights are going to start flickering because they're going to start getting hot. Uh, so I, this is what I would do. I would switch my cans out to LED retros. Then you can start start putting just what Pam said or just go up there and blow insulation once you go to LED because LED is not going to put out any heat. Any heat, yeah. The older uh, model uh, recess lights, they're usually white, and there's a red tag on the top that said do not put insulation over right. it. You know, and and the, and the unless awesome, it was an insulated can, yeah, yeah, and so. most of them are. And what's so funny about it is that the, those those can lights, those recessed lights, have holes in them. <laughs> That's right. So to you let the heat out. Yeah, like, I mean, you just so. transferred all the air from your attic down into your house. So um, they were a really a, bad it idea. It was a poor design. It was terrible. So. And and insulating from the top side versus maybe some some adhesive foam on the bottom side. Is, is, you know, if Fletch, if you're going to switch out to LED, and you should, it's very simple. It's very user friendly. It's a uh, you, you you screw in. It's a light bulb uh, screw in. You screw that right. in. You plug, right. and then you plug your LED in there, and you've also increased lights for your mother. Uh, you reduce the heat, then go in there and, and get somebody to blow insulation. Okay, I think okay. that's your simplest right, way out. All right, uh, Fletch, thanks for your call this yes, morning. Sir. This is Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. Let's stay on the phone lines. Next, we're going to go to um, somewhere in Georgia. Tony has called in today. Good morning, Tony. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, Kevin, Pam, and Jeff. Good okay. morning. Uh, hey, good morning to you all. I uh, Okay, after much prayer and three quotes, I have signed the contract to put a roof on my nice, house. Nice. Uh, so, so my questions are related to venting. Okay. And the roof, the roofer says that we have three box vents and ridge venting. Okay. And he and he is recommending that he just take out the three box vents. And I'll have plenty of ridge venting to take care of my need. Yep. Okay. okay. I agree with that. Now, let me ask you one question. Ridge vent is the greatest invention since sliced bread, in my opinion. Okay? It's great. But that is just one side of the vent. It has to suck air from somewhere. So do, do you have soffit vents? Do you have gable vents? You know, Jeff, I'm not knowledgeable enough to know the answer to that. Okay. This is this is what I want you to do. Have you got a hip roof or a gable roof? 
a, a hip a hip roof would be like a hat on your head, and it covers every bit of your roof with no siding or brick or anything past your uh, uh, ceiling, if you will. It's like a pyramid on the roof. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, we have a gable roof where it kind of slants down on each side. Okay. That's, that's a hip. Perfect, perfect. So you have a hip. I want you to walk around your house, and I want you to look. You, you know what the fascia board is. The fascia board is where the gutter goes. Yes, sir. Okay, there is another board right under that. That is that is your soffit. I want you to look at that and see if there are uh, little holes drilled everywhere or soffit vents. Like a grate or a grill. Yeah. Almost looks like your AC register. Almost looks like an AC register if it doesn't have a lot of little holes drilled in it. Okay. I can visualize that. Got okay. You. That is going to be your intake, if you will. So that's that's where the air is going to come in. It's going to get up in that attic. It's hot, and then it's going to go out the top. That's what you want, that circulating air. That's if we... So it'll be okay, in your opinions, to remove the box vent. Yes. If we have that soffit vent. Well, you have you have to have the soffit vents, and you probably do. Yeah, the only ones that don't are houses like fifty, sixty years ago. That's right. Old. So, but no, I agree with your roofer. Get rid of those turtle vents and go with your continuous ridge. Okay. 100%. So was there? So was. Uh, okay, so then my follow-up question to that was, uh, we have an attic fan that we use. Okay. And I asked him, would removing those box vents interfere, you know, with the functioning of the attic fan? And he said it would not. No. I mean, I'm not a big believer in having the attic fans, but if that makes you feel good, leave them. Yeah. Are you, up, like, in the northern part of Georgia? No, ma'am. I'm in central Georgia. Okay. Well, just understand that that, because I had one of those attic fans, too, and I loved it because I grew up with one out in yeah. the Delta. I mean, it's just very nostalgic to me. But when I saw how much it was costing me in energy. <laughs> right. uh, and we don't use it very often. When we yeah. bought the house, it was, you know, it was already in the house. And, yeah. You know, yeah. you know we, we use it occasionally, but it is not our primary source right. for well, yeah, you're losing. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you're, it's a it's an energy sucker. Is, is what it is. I mean, it's pulling all kinds of energy yeah. out of there. Now, I will say this though: if you've if you've got that fan, the problem with just going removing those boxes is that you don't have a good exhaust for that fan anymore, and it will literally push the uh, push your roof up because there's not enough volume through the continuous. Uh, yeah, you're going to yeah. have to have the box vents if you're going to use that fan. He's, he's talking about one of those big fans in the hallway. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I, was I mean, you talk, that's, ooh. that's oh, son that, of a no, gun. It, it, it sucks clothes out of the Oh, mine. Yeah. And it's that air's got to go somewhere. And it, I just don't now, think the ridge, it may blow the ridge vent right off the house. <laughs> look, is your house, uh, your, your house, you have AC, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, why don't you just quit using that yeah. attic fan? I took mine out, and my I man, it's just amazing how much more comfortable you, you my house was. You don't have to take it out; just don't use it. 
Well, or if you're not going to use it, put some seal it up somehow. Because yeah. I can take my thermal camera, and this is what convinced me is that you know with thermal imaging, I will see those, and you know I see them all the time in inspections in older houses, and then put the thermal camera on there, and I'm like, holy mother, you are losing so much energy. All it's going to do is suck the heat or the cool out of your house. And it's going to pull the. It's going to suck the pilot lights off of your. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just. Yeah, and that's what happened to me. You know, I thought, oh, this is great, and I raised my window, and I turned that thing on, and it, it pulled. I started smelling gas in my house because it sucked out the pilot on the water heater, <laughs> on my stove. I mean, it, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to kill myself from nostalgia. And, and we don't, and like I said, we, we seldom ever use it, but it does function, and every once in a while we would flip it on, but what I understood you all to say is it's okay to remove the box vents, and y'all are recommending just 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 don't use the attic. I wouldn't. I use wouldn't the attic yeah, fan. because no, now you you just don't have enough exhaust air when if you remove those box vents. All right, uh, Tony. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, move on. Next, we'll go to Jack, who calls us from Brandon. It's your turn, Jack. You're on the air. Go ahead. Um, thanks for taking my call. I think uh, some of the previous callers will tie into my question as well. Um, I have a house that was split level, built in '78. Um, it's got a ridge vent. Um, and we've started a painting project inside the house. Um, we're going to paint a hallway in the large living room area. Um, we go to remove the hideous crown molding all the way around the room, and there's a huge gap there where they just never filled it when they were doing the drywall job uh, to begin with. Right. Um, should I, A, go purchase the, the little tin strips to hammer in like an expansion gap or just fill it with foam and mud or what What would be the best way to do it and will that mess with the ventilation at all how uh, big is the gap jack is it like about a, about a quarter inch it's a big piece between okay. the between the ceiling and, you're gonna, and the drywall are you gonna put crown mold back on top of it no no we just want to have a corner it's, it's, oh uh, okay so you're it's going to be exposed yeah yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's got to be it's got to be taped and mudded. Yeah, that's what I was taped thinking. Taped and mudded and finished. And Are you redoing your ceilings too? Uh, yeah, popcorn ceilings all the way down. You're scraping it. You're scraping uh, the ceilings. I've seen different methods where you where you either wet it and scrape it. Okay. Uh, not 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 going to sand it though. I've heard that's the yeah. wrong direction. But to bottom line, you're you're trying to go to smooth ceiling. All the way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, try. Okay. So you're going after the ultra modern, no crown, seventy-eight house. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. It looks great. Uh, the issue is, it's uh, it's it's slow. It's 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 an art now. But you're going to have to mud and tape where the mm-hmm. where the wall and the ceiling meet, and then sand it. So just mm-hmm. take your time and. Uh, and have some patience. Yeah, because that's a that's like a weak job. I mean, you, you got to don't. You wouldn't recommend getting the thin kind of strips that you see. It looks like almost they would tack hammer into place and then mud over that, or uh, okay, you're talking about corner strips for sheetrock. Yeah. No, yeah. no, that's that's. You just need to Overkill. mud and tape it. You need to yes, you need to mud it. Bed your tape in there. Mud it again. Less is more. And then send it. Yep. 10-4. All right. That's perfect. And nothing with the ventilation in the house in general. It doesn't have no. anything but just no. the ridge vent all the way down. No, okay. no, 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 no. Great. No. Thanks for all The only reason that was not done when they built the house is because they knew they were putting up crown. 
So. Bill is uh, calling in from Ridgeland, and he is up next. Thanks for your patience, Bill, but you're on the air with us now, so go ahead. Okay, my question is about air circulation in a house that has a heating and air conditioning system. We have a four-bedroom house with a return in the ceiling in the hallway, and when all the bedroom doors are closed, it can't draw the air out of the bedrooms to return it to the um, system, and it impedes the air circulation. And my question is, um, builders used to put transoms over doors to allow air circulation. Right. Is there anything comparable to that now, like a vent that you can put over a door that would allow the air to circulate when the doors are closed? And I, I, lived, uh, I lived in the same neighborhood as Don Nicholas, who had Nicholas Acoustics. Right. And every door, every door in his house was lubricated. Every every door, and it allowed all the air to circulate. The theory, Bill, that we go on today is the bottom of the door is cut is cut tall enough to where air flows the, through the through the bottom of, the, the, bottom door of the door if, if the door is closed. Yeah, and something I tell you, something that'll happen with that return in the back in the bedroom where right. the bedrooms are is when the return comes on it just slams the doors that's right it'll pull them and so something i've seen recently that people are doing that i think is and i actually ended up doing it at my house is they use these magnetic door stops uh-huh. so whenever yeah. the door opens it's held in place ah. so the return right. doesn't because my return I mean, is next he, to my master bedroom and sure enough it comes on and wham <laughs> shuts right. that door yep um, well, is the space underneath the door big enough to allow the air to circulate? That's that's the theory. That's what we go on today. Yeah. So, if it's an um, older house, probably not. I tell you something, they did. I see this over in like Eastover and some in Fondren, where they actually ran a return into every bedroom. Well, we've done that before too. Yeah. So, yeah. not not every bedroom, but. Um, you know, but then that can get noisy. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't really like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you could come in and put some, um, if you wanted to, I've actually recommended to people, uh, this is more a hot water heater being in a closet, didn't have enough combustion air, but, you know, you can put grates and grills in <clears throat> indoors if you wanted to do that. Yeah, just don't know what that would look like, but. All right, uh, Bill, thanks for your call or this morning. Go down morning. to Old House and get you some louver doors. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's get one final phone call in in the hour, so we will end things by talking to Patricia, who's called in from Clinton. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. I was wondering, is there anyone in the Madison or Jackson area that levels houses the old-fashioned way, a conventional house the old-fashioned way? What's what's without your going, what's your uh, definition of old-fashioned way? What do you mean? Without going under your house and digging down and filling it in with cow, with concrete and then blocking it, just getting up under there with the levels and doing the blocks and well, if, if it's if it's conventional, that's how they're going to do it now. Once they jack it up, the reason they're digging a hole is to put your footing. your foundation pier in. Yeah, you got to have a footing underneath right. that pier that holds that weight. Mm. Well, usually they use these big cinder blocks. Well, not, no, they're not called cinder blocks because they didn't have holes. But the big blocks, like you put your 
air conditioners on, but they're just smaller. Yes, right. ma'am. Yeah. It's, it's got to be bigger than the pier itself so it doesn't dig down into the – and, I mean, I've seen people do that. But the reason they've started doing it the other way is that they found out the old way didn't work so good. <laughs> you still had – Movement, yeah. you know, the if the ground it itself movement with the concrete also. Yeah, yeah. My I mean, mom, my mom had her house redone, and it didn't do any different than my house. In fact, my the, house that had the blocks and the things the old fashioned way held up better than hers. That yeah. She had the 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 issue is you you have to hit uh, stable ground with that footing. Yeah, with so. the footing. And it just really depends, too. You, it's hard to compare two different houses in two different situations. And I tell folks this all the time. You know, that's why doctors just practice medicine, because we're all different. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeff's going to have a different diagnosis than I will. So every house, depending on are you well, on a hill, are you in a valley? The, the first thing we do before we build a house, we have the uh, the slang is, did you get the lot punched? So we drill down 10 feet. We have that dirt analyzed, and it tells us where our expansive clays are. So, so yeah, you got to have a boring. We, we, want, we want our home seven feet above expansive clays. Yeah, but yeah. if it's an older house. They may not have done that. They didn't. Well, they so, didn't. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. They, that, they didn't do no, that. they didn't. And yeah. S- yeah, and so now you've got. What the dirt you're sitting on may be totally different than the dirt your mom's yeah, sitting that's on. Right. <laughs> Just. No, my mom's house was older than mine. Yeah. But hers was hers was not a conventional house. Hers was a slab. It was on a slab. Yeah. And mine was moved into place. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Old, what I call the old-fashioned way of uh, leveling it has lasted for 40 years. I just need it tweaked, so... I don't plan on being around another 40 years, so that'll be the next person's problem. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I live in my house. I've gotten to that point. <laughs> it's going to be somebody else's problem. Because I've had my foundation fixed and tweaked and tweaked and fixed. And, you know, there's just part of living well, this, in sometimes these older houses. Yeah, well, this is the first time in 40 years, and I can't see paying what the uh, – I've had someone come out and give me an estimate and – I can't see paying that. I yeah. Just well, there anyone in, and they're doing it the new way, with, as you said, drilling and the concrete. Right. Is there anyone who does it the old-fashioned way? That's all I need for tweaking. You know, I don't know. I, I, I would, you know, I always like to get three different bids from three different companies. But keep in mind what we talked about when the show started, biblical drought. Things are oh, moving well, that have never moved before. <laughs> Yeah. Biblical drought. <laughs> so I'm not sure I'd do anything. I, I think oh, I'd no, wait about six is, months and then get them back over there. This has been going on for a couple of years. I've been putting it off. So. Right, right. Um, yeah, deferred. I, that's why I'm, I'm still looking for companies before because I'm like, I know about the drought's going to make everything. That clay up under there, if it's there, is already shrunk some more. So. All right. We've got to end it there. We have run out of time. Fix It 101 is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded by generous contributions from listeners. Our show was produced by Lacey Alexander, and our call screener today was Charles Arnold. So for Pam Pibus and Jeff Sammons, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned. Everyday Tech is next, followed by Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart at 11. Make sure to join us next Wednesday at 9 for more Fix It 101 right here on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.